By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, we ask you to join us here this morning, and we trust that you are here among us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. There is no law against such things. The works of the flesh, says Paul, are obvious, and we all heard that demoralizing list, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, you literally can't say it in one breath, carousing, dissensions, factions, envy, anger, quarrels, and things like these. By contrast, says Paul, after warning the people, he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, though, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. There is no law, he says, against such things. No law exists against these fruits produced by the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and so on. He's saying more than that, and we'll get to the more part later, but most Simplistically, St. Paul is just saying that these are the good things, right? These are the things against which no one will argue. And he sets them off against the bad things, right? By contrast, he says, love on the one hand, fornication on the other. Now, if you're anything like me, I know just what you started doing as we started hearing that reading. You started making a mental catalog of your life, weighing your fruit of the Spirit against your works of the flesh. And you were hoping against hope that your fruit of the Spirit outweighed your works of the flesh because you heard what Paul said. Those who do such things, those fleshly things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But when we think that way, comparing flesh to the Spirit, like different options of kinds of life we have to choose from, I think we're making a pretty big mistake because we're actually not comparing apples to apples here. We're comparing two different kinds of things, apples and oranges. We're comparing fruit and work, which are two very different things. Do you see it? It's not just a contrast between two results, two different kinds of life that we might live, we have a category difference here. Notice, it's not the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, or the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit, but the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. We're not comparing two outcomes of the same kind of thing. We're comparing two totally different kinds of things. Work on the one hand, and fruit on the other. And Paul, in making this distinction between work and fruit, is making a distinction that we've talked about before, and an incredibly important one. He's 
saying that there is a distinction between activity and passivity, right? Fruit and work, activity and passivity. He's saying that when we work, when we're active, these bad things come out. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, and so on. But, he says, when the Spirit bears fruit, when we're passive, these good things come out. Love, joy, and peace. Now, this is hard for us because life is all about activity, all about actions. We say to each other, actions speak louder than words. And in life, it's absolutely true. It's so easy for us to think that Christianity is about action too. Aren't we prone to the idea that Christianity is about doing something for God or or trying really hard not to do something that will make God unhappy, which is just another kind of doing something. But Christianity is not about doing something. It's not about activity. It's about passivity. In fact, it's actually about being dead. Christianity is about being dead. Now, Paul says in Galatians 2.20 that he has been crucified with Christ and that it is no longer he who lives, but that it is Christ who lives in him. This is an amazing image, and I think Paul means it totally seriously, and it's about the most passive thing he could possibly say, right? It is no longer I who live. Not only am I not active, I'm not even alive. And now, later in the letter, he gives us this distinction between the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the of the flesh, hammering the point home. Works versus fruit, activity versus passivity, life versus death. When Paul relies on his flesh, he's saying, it looks like fornication, impurity, jealousy, anger, envy. But when Paul dies and Christ lives, it looks like love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, and generosity. And this is the key thing for us to understand. That apples and oranges don't come from the same tree. Work comes from us, from the flesh. Fruit comes from the Spirit, the indwelling Christ. And the whole reason that Paul talks about fruit is that he wants to divorce it from the things that we do, our works, our active behavior. When a tree bears delicious fruit, who gets the credit? It's the farmer, not the tree. And when the flowers are especially gorgeous, We credit the person who planted them, tended them, cared for them, watered and fed them, and picked them at just the right time. That's the person we congratulate on the beauty of the flowers. The branches are just the vessel through which the work is done. The fruit of the Spirit is just like that. Paul has chosen here 
the most passive of all metaphors. Fruit. God is the master of the vineyard. Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Our good fruit is the result of God's good work. Our good fruit is the result of God's good work. So where does that leave us this morning? Is this... Is this the point of the sermon where I tell you to just let control of your lives go? Let go and let God become crucified with Christ. Don't let it be you who live, but let it be Christ who lives in you. Does that sound like helpful advice? Not really, right? It's because I've turned letting go into just one more thing that you have to do. Just let go. Relinquish control. So how do we understand this? Well, remember, Paul says that last line, that there is no law against the fruit of the Spirit. And the deeper thing he means when he says that is that these fruit cannot be created by the working of the law. They cannot be created by work at all, at least not by our work. Rules don't work in this situation. I can't tell you to love or be joyful, wagging my finger. Be joyful. Make peace. I can't tell you to let go and let God. Well, I can tell you to that, but it doesn't seem to actually work in human beings' lives. Work on these things doesn't help. You can't command someone to love. Haven't we all tried? Or demand that the sorrowful feel joy. Or that someone relinquish control. Even if the person you're telling is yourself. So something else must be going on here. Another thing that Paul is saying when he says there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. Is the obvious implication that there is a law against these works of the flesh. And maybe that's obvious, right? Things like fornication, licentiousness, and envy. These are things that are against the law of God. And we are all, each one of us, sinners. Engaging in these works of the flesh. The wages of sin is death. So there's... A bit of an irony at play here, right? I can't stand up here and tell you to give up control of your life. That won't work. But I can stand up here and announce to you that control of your life has been taken away. I can tell you that you have been killed. You are dead. Happy? The law of God has killed us. We have been crucified with Christ. But listen, death, even death, is not the end of the story for us. It's not the end of the story for you. In fact, death is a prerequisite for resurrection. And so Christianity isn't just about being dead. It's about being dead and then being alive 
again. We have been crucified with Christ, but now we have been raised to new life in him. Ephesians 2, you were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. You are a new creation. And now the fruit of this new life will begin to bloom. And this fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are your fruit now. And so you see, to read this scripture as simply an encouragement to avoid the works of the flesh and partake of the fruit of the Spirit is nowhere near profound enough. It doesn't take into account death and life, which is what Jesus is all about. So, how are the scales of the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh hanging in your life? Well, the more honest we are with ourselves about our innermost thoughts and desires and motives, the more afraid we become of Paul's warning that, quote, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God because we do such things. That's a scary thing to say. Even as a minister, I do such things. I am envious. I am angry. I am impure. We do not love. We are not joyful. We do not make peace. This is the state of affairs we find ourselves in. So what needs to happen here? Do we tell the tree to bear better fruit? I don't know if we've ever gone out and shouted at a tree before, but... It doesn't seem to work very well. The tree is just, well, it's just a tree. It's passive. It's got to be the farmer. The master of the vineyard has got to dig up the ground around the root system and clean up in there. In fact, it's got to be more than that. He's got to root up that rotted tree and plant something altogether new. And that is just what Jesus has promised to do for us. He does not come to tell us to improve our fruit. The farmer does not lecture the tree. And Jesus does not lecture us. He knows that the problem is much deeper than that. He knows that the tree can't help itself. It needs an intervention from the outside. And that's the good news. The farmer has come to that dead tree and pulled it up and planted something new. Behold, says the Lord in Isaiah, I am doing a new thing. And Jesus in Revelation, I am making all things new. God knows that we can't help ourselves. And so sent Jesus. Not just to help us, but to make us new. Not primarily to inspire us to live better lives, but to give his life for ours. 
Jesus comes to us in our envy, in our anger, in our impurity, and takes all of that onto himself. He cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, all the works of the flesh were laid down upon his shoulders. And a holy God turned away from him. Jesus The one who exhibited all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control, exhibited these things in all he did, gave those things up and took on the works of the flesh, our works of the flesh, your works of the flesh, so that we wouldn't have to pay the price. That he paid. He got the works of the flesh. And we got the fruit of the spirit. It is finished. And we are made new. Of course, we still live here. We still exist in this place. We remain human. We are all, each one of us, all too aware of our humanness, our remaining sinfulness. We just sang it, right? I need thee every hour. But that sinful you is just the death rattle of your old self. Make no mistake, it is crucified with Christ. It does not define you anymore. Now, Because of the resurrection and the new creation, when God looks at you, he sees that new creation adorned by the fruit of the spirit. And the real miracle is it actually happens. You love without needing something in return. You are joyful for another person. You make peace in an unsettled situation without an eye toward what you'll get out of it. Each one of these things is a miracle given directly by God. Because as we all know all too well from examining our lives, the works of the flesh are obvious. We all live lives characterized by works of the flesh, but in Christ we actually bear the fruit of the Spirit. Good fruit is a gift that must be given to you. But the good news is that that gift of good fruit has been given to you. When Jesus died, he died for you and took away all your junk, all your works of the flesh and gave you all his good fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, the free gift of God and Jesus is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and they are yours. Amen.